0: go back to God's word. We go back to God's word. And we have this uh, setting where Jesus, if if you look back to the last couple of passages in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus enters the city, right? He enters the city as the king, uh, the triumphant king. And and as he enters the city, really the first thing on his agenda is the cleansing of the temple. Uh, That's what we hear about. And And in the midst of that, Matthew records for us this issue of the fig tree. It says that in the morning, returning to the city, it's a picture that he probably cleansed the city the day before. Mark gives a little bit different account, not a wrong account, but probably that this event happened over two days. Matthew concerns himself wanting to share with us about the fig tree, not so much the chronology but as we, he enters the city, there's a hunger, there's a hunger and a hunger uh, that Jesus has. And it's interesting that Jesus has these um, physical human type things of hunger. And and as we struggle with hunger, we, you know, when you're hungry, what do you do? Go to the refrigerator and hope that something's there, right? You know, you open up and you stand there, you know, you stand there and you stare and Um, Jesus, uh, his hunger, uh, he used as part of this Some some would say it's like an acting parable. It's not a made up story, but it's a story where he takes something that is physical around them to teach a lesson. And so uh, he's coming into the city in the morning and returning to the city that he had already uh, cleansed the temple And you see him pronounce, and this is my first point, ultimate judgment, ultimate judgment. In verse 19, it says, um, he became hungry uh, and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it. When you, uh, we don't really grow figs around here, but uh, if you've ever, fig tree, you know, a fig tree has leaves and it has figs. You know why they call it a fig tree? Because it has figs, okay? That's a real simple thing. They call apple trees, apple trees, because they have apples. It, it's known by its fruit. It's known by its fruit. Some of you say, uh, if I walked past a fig tree and there were these beautiful figs, I'd still keep walking because I can't stand figs. They're weird fruit, Um As you think about this, you're seeing Jesus is connecting his hunger, his hunger, his desire to eat with the fig, uh, the fig tree that was before them. This was the example. His hunger brought him to the fig tree. Jesus is hungry. And a fig tree is supposed to produce figs. It's supposed to produce figs. Uh, When you are a farmer and you plant trees to produce a crop, they're only good if they produce well what you've planted them to do. In fact, uh, we live in one of those areas that's a great producing of agriculture, just on the other side of the hill. actually here as well, where they plant crops to yield, to yield. This isn't just fun to see things grow. Uh, there's a purpose to them. And Jesus looks upon this tree With this idea that it should be producing figs. but It says this one thing in verse 19 about this particular fig tree. It only had leaves. It only had leaves. Uh, Sometimes as we look upon things, there's this appearance of health. This outward appearance of health. And as you look upon this tree, you see a tree with leaves. And especially here in Tehachapi, if something's green with leaves, you go... It must be alive, (laughs) must be very strong, too, because uh, especially come August, if you see anything with green, you're going, that's amazing. It must have been wasting a lot of water on that, Uh, is what you think. But he, he picks it upon this tree, and it has leaves on it. It has the appearance of health. But it says this of this particular tree, this fig tree that was supposed to produce figs, but he found nothing, only leaves. Well, um, the, the next thing that happens it, to me, as I read it, it, it catches me off guard. It catches me. I don't know if this is the same for you. I, I don't know if, if you feel this way. I don't know if you have this heart of compassion or, or you know, this idea that this doesn't seem exactly right to me. He comes to this fig tree. He only finds leaves. And Jesus speaks to this tree. In verse 19, it says this, and he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Get that picture? He killed the tree. You get this picture? That he pronounced ultimate judgment on the tree. You look at that, and for most of us, uh, I, I don't know how you would handle this, but for me, I would come upon a tree and, oh, there's no, oh, what a disappointment. Well, maybe maybe next year if I come this time, maybe it's just a bad year for this tree. Maybe Maybe this tree, if it tries harder next year, will do better. Maybe it just needs some fertilizer. Maybe something happened to it. But Jesus pronounces, comes before this tree and pronounces ultimate judgment on this tree. Part of me, in my um, American thinking, American sensibilities, I'm offended at this point. Doesn't seem right. What right did Jesus have to do to this, to do this to this tree? Going back to my introduction, who's to say? Who's to say what's going on in a person? That they would want to use this bathroom or that bathroom. Who's to say? Who's to say? What's gone on in someone's life. That they would choose this person over that person. To spend the rest of their life with. Who's to say? Who should vote for who? You can't tell me what to do. You're judging me. You're judging me. For the way I'm thinking. Everyone has the right to their own opinion. And these are the kinds of thoughts that shape me. And as I look at a passage like this, I want to tell Jesus, Jesus, you have no right to kill the tree. You have no right to pass ultimate judgment on this tree. It's doing its best. It just didn't have any fruit. As I look at this, I'm struggling with this idea that who has the right to make ultimate judgment? As I shared with you before, I believe this is kind of an acting parable. It's, it's the idea that there were physical things around, and Jesus picked one of those physical things, and he, he's pointing to it, and he says, I want to teach you something through this tree. And so he pronounces ultimate judgment on this tree, and I want to bring you to the concept, uh, context what was the previous thing that he had done cleansing of the temple cleansing of the temple and as he walked with his disciples this wasn't within the temple it wasn't uh, it was probably just his disciples that were with him and you, you see him go from the temple to the tree that and possibly even the tree before and the tree after the temple, like it, that, it was part of the days, okay, and, and that this was the marker and the example for him to connect back to the temple. I want to point out something else. Who uh, who got great condemnation out of the cleansing of the temple? It wasn't. It wasn't the. the the sinners out on the outside. It wasn't the 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 prostitutes and the the dirty people out there. Jesus points to this tree with appearance of health and he pronounces ultimate judgment on it. I believe he's connecting to the temple and really the, the Jewish structure around him of self-righteousness, of wanting to appear right, of, uh, of having the look and appearance of great health. And yet, what about the fruit? What about the fruit? Jesus had cleansed the temple. He had brought judgment on those in the temple. And as we look on, he's going to talk more about that in the verses to come. But he pronounces now judgment on the fig tree that bears no fruit. Bears no fruit. I want to tell you about fruit. Fruit is an accurate reflection of the tree. It's an accurate reflection of the tree. It shows the health of the tree. Uh, most of you know more about this than I do. This idea of, of having fruit, of being gardeners and And the the idea of this beautiful fruit coming from this tree. And you can tell it's an accurate reflection of what is going on in that tree. And really it shows the value of the tree as well. The benefit uh, and, and the value of the tree is in the fruit. It shows how valuable this tree is based upon what is produced. And I want to tell you this. As we look at this judgment, this ultimate judgment that Jesus pronounces on this tree, Jesus' uh, judgment is accurate and appropriate. He knows. He knows. And and I I want you to see this as 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 it strikes my sensibilities that that are from me, that who has the right to kill a tree? The one who knows. The one who knows. And Jesus comes upon this tree, and this is what he does. I want to give you my next point, and it's a point of context. It's, uh, it's authority. Authority, okay? I want to bring together some things. Jesus rolls into the city in a parade, in a parade that proclaimed him, and the, the mob announced him as king, as king, the one we've needed. The king, the one we've needed. Hosanna. Praise and prayer. Save us now. But acknowledging that you're the one that can save us now. This is, as Jesus comes into the city, uh, he shows that he is the king. As Jesus goes into the temple, he doesn't ask, uh, Is this all right if I do some rearranging around here? No, he just walks in. assumes the place of authority and and he does what he thinks is best, the cleansing of the temple. And now we see him at the judgment of the fig tree. What I want you to see is that the judging, the judging of people, of fig trees, of thoughts and actions and whatever's going on, that belongs to the one who has authority. And I want to tell you, Jesus has authority. He had authority as he came into the city. He had authority as he went into the temple. He had authority as he went to the fig tree. And he will, and I want to tell you, he has authority today. You know what? Who really cares? Who, Who really cares what our thoughts are about politics? What does it matter what you think? What does Jesus think? This is what we should be uh, straining for. That This idea of bathrooms and who should go where, this isn't about what men think. This is not about what this group or that group thinks. This is about what Jesus thinks. And for us to just spout off our opinion over and over again and say we're right And, well, that's just your opinion. This is just my opinion. And everyone's got their opinion. Set all those things aside and ask the question, where is Jesus in all of this? The one who brings judgment is the one who has authority. Well, we move to verse 20 to see the disciples' power. I love their response to this because I find it fascinating. It just... uh, it says in verse 20, when the, when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither, wither at once? They looked at Jesus and they're going, how did he do that? How did he do that? It's interesting, uh, the disciples didn't worry about the tree. Some of us would be, I can't believe he killed that tree. You know, that tree's been there for, like, like they, didn't, they didn't worry about any of that. They go, how do he do that? They, they, they didn't question his authority at all. Why? Because they were his disciples. And they didn't get a lot of things. They, they were confused over and over again. But they knew this, that when Jesus does something, especially his miracles, he has authority to do whatever he wants. And that Jesus, bringing judgment to this random tree, and using that as an example, they just, they just were marveling at, wow, he did it right before our very eyes. And Jesus uh, shares with them, really, and, and begins to teach them about their position and really where their power comes from by this. In verse 21, and Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even... If you say to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Whoa. Jesus' answer kind of goes like this. I have power and authority. I have power and authority to pronounce judgment. Like, I have that. I have that. And you will have that too as you follow me. You will have that too as you follow me. Jesus connects, so his disciples are now going to, you know, he's beginning to prepare them for when he is gone, when he is physically gone from them, and and they're struggling to figure out their, you know, we've already talked about their idea of service in the kingdom, and whether I can have great position, and this, that, and the other thing, they're, they're struggling to find that Jesus preparing them for the time where he is gone, and he says this, he says, You you marvel at what I've done. I have authority to do that, but not just me. As you follow after me, as your faith is displayed, you'll be able to do this as well. That this idea of authority and judgment comes from me. As you look at this, uh, boy, uh, what a passage, right? Because he doesn't just talk about the fig tree. He goes on to say, if you say to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. So what do you think is the bigger miracle? The fig tree, killing the fig tree or telling the mountain to go jump in the sea? I can't do either one of them. Right? He, he wants them to see that this small thing that he has done that they marveled at, there's no limits to what he would do. There's not this sense of these tiny little things that could go on and this little stuff, but there will be bigger stuff as well. I want to point out something to you. There's no record that Jesus ever told a mountain to go dive into the sea. No no record that Jesus specifically prayed that that would happen and it did, or he was there and he called to the mountain, go jump into the sea. There's no record of that. There's also no record of the disciples doing that in the next generation there's there's no record of god's people for the generations after that to have ever cast a mountain into the sea one of you scientific people are going to come up afterwards and go there was this one time in this one island that, you know the water rose and global warming and you know uh, that's not what we're talking about here okay it's a specific prayer for the mountain to jump into the sea, mountains get sold. Uh, but this is what I want to tell you. When you look at what Jesus, peop- Jesus has done, Jesus' disciples did, and what Jesus' people, His people for generations after them, what has gone on in their life, you see the evidence, you see the evidence of faith in action borne out through prayer. You see the evidence of it. Right here before me today, you are the evidence of prayers. You're the evidence of prayers. Many of you could tell me the name of someone who prayed for your worthless soul. Many of you. And, and there are times, uh, scenes, where if we could show them up on the screen... You would be shown as the mountain that was never going to move. You would be shown as the the impossible situation. You were the impossible situation. You were the ones. But the prayers of people that cried out for your worthless soul got changed. And other things as well. As we look at this passage, we see the authority and the the power. We see the judgment of of our Savior. But His disciples, He charges His disciples, He gives them, he, He says to them, look, as followers of me, your faith, not just in faith, and I always get nervous in passages like this. As you look at this passage, some of us could look at it and go, oh, so you just have to have faith. It's mind games. I just believe it's gonna happen. I just believe it's gonna happen, and it'll happen. Great things will happen if I can visualize them and think about them. And, and maybe others of you say, yeah, I just need to pray. You know, I just need to pray, and if I say the words, if I say the words, it's gonna happen. But faith and prayer are never left to themselves. They're never just an event. They're never just something in our heart. They're connected. They're connected with a loving God and Son Jesus Christ who died on our behalf, a new King, the Spirit of God working in us. It's never faith in just a power out there. It's a faith in the triune God of the Scriptures. It's trusting in Him to be enough for us and trusting Him with the results. And so He says to His disciples, look, as you've seen in the fig tree, not just that, but even greater things, that the mountains be thrown into the sea. And then in verse 22, He says clearly, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I want to tell you, our faith isn't in the day just getting better tomorrow our, our faith is in the one we pray to and we cry out to and i want to i want to tell you uh, th- this is this is an issue for us this this should charge us to pray and i i want to confess to you that we're, we're not very good at prayer around here we don't talk about it enough we don't talk to him enough we don't handle uh, the issues of life with prayer enough. Many times we like to sit around and philosophize about what we should do and a better way of doing things and come up with new ideas and sort this out by this, that, or the other thing. I want to tell you, um, not so profitable sitting around and talking. Us combined talking, it's not that profitable. What's profitable is us crying out to God about these things, to trust Him with the issues of life and I realize as I look out um, I warn you I can think and preach at the same time I realize that we have some issues here I realize that there's some burdens in your hearts as you roll into church on Sunday some things that you're crying and you look at them and you say can't happen my son or my daughter they're too far gone they're too far gone the situation that I'm in, the marriage that I'm in, it's, it's just too far gone. Our financial situation is just too far gone. I'm too far gone. I, I just don't see it happening. I want to tell you that when you don't see things happening, do you see fig trees dying and withering in an instant? Oh, I don't, I, can't be explained. Do you see mountains jumping into the sea? Like, that, that can't happen. Jesus takes two examples of two impossible things. And what he says is, these are the things, these are the things that you're to bring before me. These are the things you're to trust me with, to cry out to me in prayer. As we close, there's a few takeaways that I would like for us to consider as we looked at this passage. First one is this, it's a question. What is your life showing? What is your life showing? Uh, So the religious leaders, their life was showing some stuff. It was showing. It was showing that they were trees that had leaves, the appearance of life, but had no fruit. Had no fruit. And you say, well, what does fruit mean? I want to tell you, it's evidence. It's evidence. And, And your life should bear evidence of a healthy tree. You say, well, what will that look like? Well, it'll look like the way you treat your wife. That that, that will be evidence, that will be fruit that God has worked in your life. It's evidence how you treat your kids, that God has changed the heart. It'll be evidence on what you value, what you you love, what, what thrills your heart. There will be evidence, A, a work of your responses to adversity will be evidence. You, you see, the, the point here for uh, the religious system that they had built up, it was all about a show of life, a show of life, but the evidence showed something totally different. It, it had the appearance, but there was no fruit. And so we asked the question of ourselves, What is your life showing? You will know the health of your life, your spiritual life, by what comes out of your life. Secondly, as I talked about in my intro about all these different issues that we think about and we're struggling through, I want to tell you it's just step by step with Jesus. That's all it is. Step by step with Jesus. Keep it simple. Don't... Don't philosophize and don't uh, try to complicate your world and try to think of all these different things. Step. What would Jesus have me do right now? What What, what, it, what does he think about this issue that I'm struggling about? I want to tell you, if you can uh, interject his thoughts and uh, crowd to him for his thoughts in these different issues, your life is going to get really simple, real quick. It's going to be a good kind of simple. If you think through the things of life, you realize how complicated and sinful and how how many facets and different ways you could think about this. But just to ask the question, how can I walk with Jesus through this? Some of us are so concerned with being true to yourself. I want to tell you, don't be true to yourself. You're not worth being true to, okay? That we should cry out and be true to Jesus. That we should want the life that, that, that comes from following Him. If you ask the question, uh, uh, you know, what is it? I, I'm, I'm a free thinker. I think for myself. Don't think for yourself. Don't think for yourself. Let Jesus think for you. Let Him put the thoughts into your mind. Don't, don't limit it to what you can think and figure out. Step by step with Jesus. And lastly, um, remember that life, the issues of life, all that is placed before you is an issue of faith and prayer. And they're inseparable. Inseparable. If you trust Him, you'll cry out to Him. You'll cry out to Him. If you're praying, guess what? It'll be prayers of faith that will be the ones that He listens to. I want to just encourage us... uh, as we come to this passage, we, I realize that our lives are complicated, our world's complicated, but this should be a call for us to pray. That we would individually, as well as the way we handle things around here, that we would be people that say, I need God's power in this. I need to cry out for him to be the one to do what I cannot do. This should be a call to prayer for us. Let's pray. God, as we've looked at this passage, we realize that um, we are deficient. We're both deficient uh, in just the life, the handling of life, but also deficient uh, in crying out to you in prayer. And so I ask that you would do a work here at Bear Valley Church. I ask that you would stir my heart to be a man of prayer, not to think through things on my own, to do it on my own, but to be a man who cries out to you for your power to be working in my life and the issues of my life. God, I ask that your church would rise up and that we would be people of prayer, that we wouldn't be big talkers about prayer, but that we would be um, people who practice prayer, who are handling each and everything that we're praying through the day and that we're also uh, praying uh, at set-aside times as well just knowing that we need you for everything. God, do your work in us. I thank you for being patient with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.
1: Victorious to the end, for those He
2: came to save, His glories now we see. Who died and
1: every voice. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. Dressed in his right, just listen long, fall asleep. in the world did I think I could Only get to know you when my life was good When everything just falls in place The easiest thing is to give you praise Now it all seems a okay.